0: We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. You guys, I'm Bill Stevens, the, the, the pastor here, the lead pastor here at Ascent. We love it that you guys are here today. I, you know, if you're looking for a miracle this morning, it's the fact that this, this uh, piano has not fallen through the stage yet. We built this stage 10 years ago together, and, uh, and so I know what's underneath this carpet up here, and the fact that we got a piano. We never have a piano on our stage, and it didn't fall through. Uh, I was telling, I was telling our, our band this morning that if that piano were to have fallen through today, what a great Instagram story that would be. I mean, everyone, we'd probably get a million hits if we did that. So, um, so ho- hopefully it won't happen today. Uh, I love it that we get to worship together. I was on, on the way in this morning. I was listening to a song that just said, it that, that, that talked about God moving in our midst. And we worship Him because He's moving within our midst. And I thought about that today, just going, how powerful is that? that God is moving in, in our midst right now within each of these chairs and His Holy Spirit is, is, is grabbing hold of you and saying, I want, I want to talk to you today about something. See, He's got an intent for us today. And whether you came here this morning thinking God was going to do something, or you just came here saying, I'm supposed to come or somebody dragged me here. God's got an intent for you today. I love it that we get to worship together in that. Okay. Now, before we get started with what the Lord has laid on my heart to share this morning, um, a couple of quick things. One, this afternoon, we are doing a a founding team 2.0 meeting. Okay. We, 10 years ago, we're celebrating 10 years as a church this Christmas. We can't wait to do that, to celebrate 10 years together. Um, But 10 Years ago, right about this time, right in about May of or April or May of 2013, we got together with our founding team. And these were people that said, I love the vision of where we'd want to go as a church, and we're going to put our hands on the ball and push it forward. And that was the be- that was the very beginning of Ascent Church. Well, now we're looking at 10 years later, and we're saying, What about a founding team 2.0? A group of people that would say, What's next for this church? And I'll put my hand on a ball to push that forward. You are all invited to a meeting tonight as we continue to talk about what's next, as we talk about the vision that we have for this church, to, to, to bless the socks off of our community, um, to be for the good of our, of our, of our cities. You guys, we, that's, that's our hope, and, and we want to come together to talk about what's next for that. We don't talk about needs tonight. We want to have an honest conversation about some of the needs we have in the church, including our financial needs that we have. I mean, we want to be able to have a great dialogue with as many of you as would come to just say, here's, here's where we're going, and here's what it's going to take to get us there. And so, so please, 4 o'clock today, um, consider coming. Even if you've only been to the church a couple of times, you're certainly welcome to come um, to that meeting. And we even have uh, child care for you guys. Just check with Kaylee about that, okay? All right, one other thing before we get started. I had a chance to go um, to a conference in Kansas this week. Just got home yesterday. Um, flew to Wichita rented a car, and went to McPherson, Kansas, okay? How many of you guys have been to McPherson, Kansas? Okay, it's, I thought it was McPherson, but, the, but the, uh, I talked to somebody when I got into the city, he says, there's no fear in our city, it's McPherson, and it is McPherson, Kansas. I want to give you a couple of highlights of that week, of the week, or, or a couple of just the things that I saw. Here's a picture of, of me. This is between Wichita and McPherson. It, this is what you see as you're driving. Um, here's, here's as we're getting closer to, to McPherson. Um, this is right as we're getting into McPherson. Um, and this is from McPherson, okay? Okay. Um, Needless to say, there was a lot of opportunity for me to be inspired for today's talk because I spent a lot of time in my hotel room and, and, uh, and got to work on a sermon all week long. And, um, and it is, this is actually a sermon that I've been working on for a really long time. This is one that, that I've been reading and listening to other talks about other people and what they, what, what they have thought about it because um, uh, this one's a tender one today. See, what we're we're in the middle of a series called Forgiveness Continued. We looked at, we look at Easter and we say, Easter is 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 that great event and statement from God of forgiveness and his love and his grace and his mercy for every one of us. He poured out forgiveness on us. And then Jesus says, I need you to forgive as I have forgiven you. And so we thought, let's do forgiveness continued. Let's keep talking about it. And let's talk about it from some of the more tender, harder things that we have to deal with. How do we forgive family? As hard as that is at times and as close as you are, that can be some, some of the deepest wounds with family. How do we forgive family? We've talked a little bit about that last week. How do we forgive ourselves? John's going to tackle that next week where we talk about how sometimes it's easier to receive the forgiveness from God, but to actually forgive ourselves is a little bit harder. And so John's going to talk a little bit about that. Well, this week, what I want to talk about is what does it look like to forgive the pain the church causes? See, there are a lot of people that walk with church hurts. They've had something happen in their background and something happened in their current church or some former church where you have, you have felt the pain from the very place that God has intended for great good. What do we do about that? How do we speak into that? See, the Barna Research Group, they do all kinds of research, especially around churches. And, and, and one of the things they found is four out of 10 people Four out of ten people will have left the church because of church hurt. And and they said most of those people will not only have left the church, but left their faith as well. And so their association of of this pain that somebody or something caused from the church actually then affects how they see God, how they see Jesus, and they even wander away from their faith as a result of that. You guys, that's real. And there's a lot of, uh, of pain in that. And, and so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what do, we, what do we do with that? What do we do with the people? And I know as a 10-year-old church, I know that there are some people that have found a because they have come from church hurt. And as a 10-year-old church, I know there are people that have left a because of church hurt. And so what do we do about it? Well, as I've been thinking through this talk and as, as, I've, as I've spent a lot of time and all the notes that I've had about it, I thought, how do I want to start this? How do I want to start it? And I thought, I think the way I want to start it is to couch it in the way the Lord truly sees the church and, and, and what, how God really wants the church to operate. See when you when you read through the Bible, you get to see that the church is referred to as a bo- as the body, as God's body. It's the, the church is referred to as God's family, and the church is referred to as as Jesus' bride. That's how God sees the church. So let's first let's look at it from that perspective first. So the, so the way God sees it in Ephesians one, Paul talks about this. He says God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So so that's God's intent for the church, the ecclesia, the movement of God, the people of God that's found through communities that have come together. That's the church. And this is where where, where his kingdom, he he wants to see the fullness of who he is come out of the church. The family. Listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this this part of Ephesians. He says this, You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you fitting you, you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Eugene Peterson's paraphrasing that passage that if you look at any other translations, they're, they're talking about God sees it as his family. That's how, that's how powerful and that's how big, how much God sees this, the, the, the ecclesia, his church. Okay, now look at this one, you guys. Paul talks about it this way. He says, Jesus looks at the church as his bride. His bride. I mean, I want you to think about this one. And when I, when, when I got married, I'm standing down at the end of the aisle and Jackie, this is 30 years ago, this August. Jackie is walking down the aisle. And, and there couldn't be a more beautiful bride. And I'm standing there at one end just going, that's as perfect, as perfect as it gets. That's the, that is the. Other than the fact that she was kind of high-fiving people and not looking at me, she was just saying, she was looking at everybody else, and I'm tearing up up there going, come down here, bride. And she's like, hey, 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 man, my volleyball coach is here. You know, other than that, she hates it that I bug her about that. Um, But it was beautiful, and she was beautiful. And if Jesus is looking at us, the church, as his bride, think about that statement. He knows how messed up we are. And yet he sees us as his bride, beautiful. Man, that is a statement of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love, that he sees us that way as, as his, his bride. So what happens when his bride hurts us? What, what do we do with, how do we reconcile that? Because see, I can't tell you how many people how many people have come to me? My brother has come to me with this. My dad has come to me with this. My, my, I have said this at times. You know what? I love Jesus. I just hate the church. <laughs> have you not heard that before? I love Jesus. I hate the church. But if we look at it in light of what Jesus is saying, this is my bride, it doesn't work. If you came to me and said, hey, Bill, I, I love you. I just hate Jackie. Jackie. One, that's impossible. Or let's just flip that. It's a little easier to say I love Jackie and I hate Bill. Um, yeah. But it doesn't work, does it? I mean, I'm too connected with her. If you came to me and said I love you and hate Jackie, I'm like, okay, um, we've got a problem, because I, I, there's we're connected. And Jesus is saying, if you love me but hate the church, he's going, wait, 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 wait. We're, we're connected. We're connected. But what do we do? See, that's the dilemma of today's message, and that's the dilemma of what we face, is you just go on one hand, this is the beauty of what God has set up for his kingdom. On the other hand, it can cause so much pain and such deep wounds that it's hard to let that go. Today, I want to talk about both. I want to talk about recognizing that pain but then where do we go from there so that we can see it as God sees it again? How do we reconcile that? So let's pray together and we'll step into this a little bit more. Father, we, we are so thankful that you are here and you speak to us. And, and, and in a subject like this, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would sit and, and work your way through in the midst of these chairs. I know, I know someone has come into this church right now with deep, deep pain. I know that. I pray, Lord, that only through you, God, will will you rest with them today and give them peace. Give us peace as we do it. And then help us to move. Help us to move towards a new understanding and a new, a new, uh, new sight of the church. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I'm, I'm in my old church, and, and that's, it was I worked in Boulder at First Press Church in Boulder, now Grace Commons Church, and did college ministry there, but I preached every once in a while on Sunday mornings. And one Sunday morning... Uh, I'm preaching, and and it was on it was it was Mary and Joseph and how overwhelmed they were as they were heading towards uh, towards the inn, um, and she's about to to give birth. Okay, so it it was it was all it was all it, I was talking about that and just how overwhelmed they were, and and in that I shared an example. I shared an example of Jackie and I. I said I said you know Jackie and I got married when we were young, and and then you know we we gave a little bit of time before we wanted to have babies. I think like six months, and then we got pregnant right away. Okay. And, and so we were really young parents and really overwhelmed parents. And, and, you know, I just held Ella in the hospital. I thought, I'm going to break this thing. I didn't, I, that's all I could think of. And we were just overwhelmed. And, and for those first few months, we were overwhelmed as these young parents. And then and we thought that we were told that, um, that, uh, that nursing your baby is a natural form of contraception. And we found out that's not true. And and so three or four months into um, into this overwhelmed moment with this baby, we uh, Jackie and I are at my, in our house in Spokane, and we're in the basement, and Jackie pees on a stick, and and she's um, and, and I'm sorry, that's how it's how romantic it was, and and uh, and she finds out she's pregnant again, and 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 so, so I used that as an example, and, and I and I shared that that we were so overwhelmed in that moment that we were just in tears. In, the, in that bathroom. And, and then God met us in that, and that, and that, was, the, that was part of the, the sermon. Well, afterwards, you know, I'm, I'm outside and I'm talking to some people afterwards, and one woman comes up to my old boss, Keith Vandergrift is his name. And I, he, she came up to Keith and she said, in tears and anger, she said, I have been dealing with and struggling through infertility for years and years. And I've been mad at God for a really long time. And she said, and I finally had the courage to come to church. I needed peace. And I needed some encouragement. And, I, and, and so she's sharing this through her tears and through her anger as she, as she expresses that. And she says, and that guy used as an example of overwhelmed that he they found out they were pregnant again. She said that it, she she explained to Keith that that didn't do anything but chase her further away. And he came back and he talked to me about it and young 30-some-year-old Bill is is going, um, well, that's not what I intended. But for the next 20 years, I've thought about that. I've never seen that woman again. And I know that it, the amount of courage that it took for her to come. And I know what she was seeking. She, was, she, she, she wanted to find that path towards the foot of the cross, towards Jesus, towards his, to the feet of Jesus, and, and to find that encouragement and hope that's there. And I elbowed her off the path in my insensitivity. Now, you might say, no, that's not fair. You don't have to th-. And I'm going, no, that's true. That's true. And I, and, I, and I see that. And, man, have I learned since then I, from friends that have gone through the pain of of and the struggle of that and how careful I have to be up in front around that just because I want, I want you to see that I see you in that pain and that impatience and that, and that lack of peace that comes in there. And so I've learned from that, but I don't know where she ended up. She could have just walked away and never come back. The church hurt her. I hurt her. And, and when you're in a, position where all you want to do in, in, in this career is to walk with people on a path to the foot of Jesus, to know that you've elbowed somebody off the path. It's, it, it, it ah, it's, this is, that's church hurt. Church hurt doesn't come just in the really big ones, but it also comes in the really big ones. You know, um, my parents, my parents grew up Catholic and I grew up Catholic. And when they started, when they found out and and all that stuff came out about priests that were abusing altar boys and and, um, all of that that was happening, um, you know, and that movie Spotlight comes out, man, you talk about disillusioned and disappointed by the church, my parents are sitting there watching that movie Spotlight. And at the end, it lists off the diocese that that were having the most trouble around around priests and and, and altar boys. and, And one of them was in Spokane. And my parents have four boys that are altar boys in Spokane in the early 80s when it was happening. And so you talk about two people that were disillusioned and disappointed and not knowing where to go, and and at the next time they're going to mass, that what are they th- what's what are they thinking in their head, and how much does that affect them? That's church hurt, and that's a big one, and that and that can happen. Church hurt can happen from, from, um, from leaders that that you know the the the, the um, infidelity in marriages. You see that nationally and globally and locally, and and so you see that, and and you go that there's, there's church here there. Well, why, why would that be church here to you? Because we trust leadership. I heard one sermon on this subject saying you shouldn't trust anybody but Jesus, but I don't believe that the kingdom of God is set up that way. I think the kingdom of God is set up in a way that says we should trust each other as we're trying to follow Jesus. And so, and so, yes, there's there, a lack of, there, there's this sever, it severs trust, and then it leads to disappointment and disillusionment, and it leads to just start to fall away. And can I trust that, that person in helping and walking with me towards the foot of the cross? And so there's that kind of church hurt that can absolutely happen. But church hurt happens in lots of ways. Church hurt happens when you step into a small group and you're in a small group and you're told here's where we're going to share life on life with each other and be honest with each other and you're honest about your life and then all you get is condemnation or judgment from one or two or the entire group that's that's that you can walk away from that with church hurt where you're saying i don't know if i want any part of that and unfortunately when i say i don't want any part of that we might also say i don't want any part of jesus that's church hurt Church here might come from, especially in communities like ours, Superior and Louisville, and these surrounding communities, where something like divorce happens, and and and, you, and, the, and the public knows, or at least your your area of the public knows, and you come into church, and you can feel the daggers. Some of you have felt that in here. You feel the daggers from people that are going, what, you got divorced? And and you go down to the bathroom down there and you see someone that maybe was in a small group or something with you and they start walking towards the bouncy houses and you're just going, what's happening?" Church hurts. It can happen in lots of different ways. My next door neighbor... When Jackie and I went on a long walk with them one time and and for about the 30th time invited him to church, he just said, man, I can't. Because when I was younger, you know, my dad died and the pastor told me that if I had more faith, my dad wouldn't have died. Church hurts. The very thing that God has set up to say I want to give encouragement and hope to this world can leave some of the deepest, deepest wounds. And look, I am not up here to throw stones at other people. In John, in John 1, it says, it says, we, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And I'm not deceiving myself. I know that I am one that can cause great church hurt. I know that someone might have sent an email to me just sharing so much on their heart and I didn't, and it got buried in my emails and didn't respond. That's, that can be church hurt. Something I would say up here in front, something I'd say one-on-one that can lead to some serious church hurt. And I understand that and I see my part in that. It hurts so much. Proverbs 1, 18, 14 says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit. And then every time you come in, if, it, if you're still in that community where that church hurt happened, the wound opens up every week. And it just gets harder and harder. And your heart gets harder and harder. And, and so I want to say, and I don't want this to sound trite or I'm sorry, I wish there were people in here that I have heard that have moved on someplace else that they could hear that. I'm sorry. I apologize for anybody that's in any positions of, of leadership or influence, and I'm sorry. That's, like I said, our, our hope in, in my career is just to help people walk with them to follow someone that's leading us and to walk right to the foot of the cross. And and I know that that people can be knocked off that path really easy. But here's the deal, and this is what's so hard about today's sermon is that I want you to know that I see you in it and see you in that pain. And I want you to know that 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 pain is real and, and, and I'm with you in that. I need you to hear that I'm with you in that. But God never wants us to stay. He always wants us to grow. And so I, I think that God wants us to, as our hearts might even be hardening to the church, he wants us to go, wait, this is also the place where you might find the greatest healing. And so, so we, we have to move. See, see, if we just say, I'm just gonna sit in it, I don't know if we'll ever heal from it. If we're just gonna sit in it, then we might just move on to another church and then even subconsciously or consciously, we're just looking for the same thing over again. Is this going to happen again? And we've never healed from it. And so how do we heal from it? It's like my elbow, you guys. I mean, for six months, I sat here with this elbow and I thought, I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away. And then finally, this Dr. Rog in town just said, Bill, I think we need to do some surgery on that thing and get this thing healed up. And, I, and, and so for us, I think we, we, we might need to do, do some surgery to get this thing healed up a little bit, Okay. So so I want st- to I want I want to shift now to what can we do about this okay so I want to give one observation and then I want to I want to talk about really some steps that we can take one observation you guys I want to I want to be clear with you we have high expectation for church leadership and I want to say that's okay it's okay to have high expectation for church leadership you should have high expectation for church leadership you should I mean, we, if I'm inviting you and we're trying to walk down a path to Jesus... If that's where we're going, I want you to have a high expectation in that in that person that's that's along that path. In fact, when I took this job, it, in, in James three one it says, "Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers." That's what I'm doing, teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. James is saying that's a brother of Jesus saying, "Look, you've got a high calling and a high responsibility, and it's okay to have a high expectation of the of people that are in positions like that. Whether it's a small group leader or it's a board." member or it's a pastor up in front or a staff we it's okay to have that i understand that and i i embrace that i know that I mean, Jackie and I, we did, we did, when we did college ministry, people say, you know, what were you doing in college ministry? relational said, relationship counseling. That's what college ministry in a lot of ways is, is relationship counseling. As we walk through relationships with hundreds and hundreds of college students, we used our marriage as, because I really truly believe the Lord has really blessed me in, in the marriage that I've got and the wife that I've got. And so we use that as, as, as part of, you know, here's what we're trying to do and here's what, and so we're walking together relationships down that path to the foot of the cross, that we're doing that together. And so if I chose to, to detour, if I detoured fully from that, I know that that would leave people in a, in a place. They're, I don't want them following me. I want them following Jesus. I want Jesus to be a hero, not me to be a hero. But I know that that would, co- that would be a cause for disappointment and disillusionment. And could, could elbow someone off the path. I know that. I know that if I were to do that even today, not only would it affect me and my relationship with my wife and my family. It would, be, it would, affect, it would affect you guys. And it would affect all those people, the 88 couples that I counseled over the last 30 years in premarital counsel for, for their weddings and a bunch of them are in this room. So I have to be aware, I have to know that, that that that's that's part of it that 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 could be happening. It's partly why we put so many parameters Jackie and I do around our marriage. Because I know this is a high calling and I have to be really careful with. I know that. I mean, when you go to our website, you'll see this on our website. This is the Lead Pastors Council. And you guys probably can't read what it says. The Lead Pastors Council is responsible for the spiritual care and accountability of Ascent's Lead Pastors. The council's purpose is to assist in preserving Bill and Jackie's spiritual health and integrity as they serve Ascent Church. The council is made up of people with longstanding relationships with the two of us. I mean, Don Bachman has been a mentor of mine for 30 years, and he meets once a month, and the first thing he's always asking is, how are you and Jackie doing? Kathy Raven is somebody that Jackie meets with every month, and she's asking the same thing that her late husband Jim used to ask me every, every time we'd get together, how are you guys doing? Mike Gaffney is somebody that, that I, have, I have been friends with for years, and we say, we're towing the line in our marriage together. It's why we, want, we work so hard with our staff around marriage, and we want to give them, give them date nights and we, 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 we know that this is super important. We know that, that, that it's a high calling. It's okay to have high expectation for leadership. But here's the next part, though. In James 1, 2, it says this. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. and could also control ourselves in every other way. The very next line he's saying, and yet it won't be perfect. I think a lot of times we'll step into church and subconsciously we'll actually start to to live into this thought of perfection. And you might say, no, no, I would never, I'd never hold someone to perfection. But the reality is I think we do sometimes in the church and we want our our Bible studies to be perfect and we want our people to be perfect. But the reality is we're not going to be perfect God has for some reason used a messed up group of people to do unbelievable work and we're all a bunch of messed up group of people and so that we're never going to be perfect in this and we have to recognize that too. I heard a pastor say this, he he says, you know, the greatest uh, music that's probably ever been made is Beethoven's Fifth and the greatest composer ever is Beethoven. But if you went to a fourth grade orchestra concert to listen to Beethoven's Fifth, you would not expect perfection. You'd wanna hear the music that was practically perfect, but you wouldn't expect perfection from the fourth grade orchestra. We're a fourth grade orchestra, you guys. I'm a fourth grade orchestra, you're a fourth grade orchestra. In fact, I was talking to Scott about this and I thought, what if I just started playing Beethoven's fifth with this big cello? Um, I know it's not a cello, it's a bass, I know that. But, but listen, I can do the Beethoven's Fifth. I've been practicing it. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? I think that's the Lord saying, you don't got it. Uh, we're a fourth grade orchestra trying to make the music that is perfect. Jesus is perfect, and we are not. But how in our imperfection can we come together and love as much as we can. And recognize where we might hurt. Sometimes we succeed in that and sometimes we fail at that. I want to step into what can we do. What are the steps we can take? And here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at Jesus. I want us to look to Jesus. I want, to look, I want us to follow Jesus. I want us to look at Jesus, okay? Let's look at him. He, if there was anybody that understood church hurt, it's Jesus, He had the religious leaders constantly, constantly questioning him, constantly pressing away from him, constantly saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be loving those people. You shouldn't be around those people. He was constantly being hurt by church people. And and so he knows that. And, And in the midst of it, when he got frustrated, he didn't get frustrated with sinners. He says, man, I came to save sinners. He got frustrated with church leadership. He said at one point in Matthew, he says he called them hypocrites. And that word hypocrite, it was a, was a Greek theater word that it was when actors would put on a mask and they'd hide themselves, hide themselves, their, their true character for, from, from everything else and from the story, they were hypocrites. And he's going, man, we can't put a mask on. We got to be able to take that mask off and we hope here to sin. It's why up here in front, I want to be vulnerable and be honest Because I want to take the mask off. I want us to see we're all messed up. But messed up together, built with a love and a grace and a mercy around us, can actually be a place of great hope and comfort. And so so we first look at Jesus and, and we just say, you know, he knows it. Now, as we look at Jesus, we can look to Jesus. And what did he do? Man, when he was on that cross, he was forgiving everybody. He was up there on that cross going, I forgive you, I forgive you. Forgive those Roman soldiers. Forgive those religious leaders. God, forgive them all for they know not what they do. See, what he's saying is that what it's going to take for us to get back to a place of really seeing the health of the church is it has to come through the process of forgiveness. Now, I say it's a process because it can't just be, okay, I'm going to forgive the church. Man, this is a process that we got to go on. And it, it's, it's about church, but it's about any type of forgiveness that we got to extend. It's a process. Love, Sean Johnson is a pastor down at Red Rocks Church. I, just, I love what they're, what they're doing down there. And he talked about this forgiveness. And, and he said, man, the first thing you got to do, and I love this, he says, you got to acknowledge, acknowledge what actually happened we got to acknowledge the pain because if we don't see the pain of actually what happened with the church hurt, if we don't see it and we don't acknowledge it, we will just bury it and then it will chase us to the next place. If we're going to begin the process of forgiveness, we got to know first what actually happened. We've got to diagnose it. Maybe the church hurt that happened today was a result of a pain that we never dealt with from years before. See, we got to diagnose that. Years ago, I was in a, I was in a I had jury duty, and I'm, and I'm sitting there in this, in this jury, where, and, and we, it was a multi-million dollar malpractice suit, and, and the, the doctor had done a left lateralizing calcaneal osteotomy. How smart am I now, you guys? I mean, yeah, I mispronounced amygdala a, year, a few a months or two ago, but look at me now, okay? Okay. Um, he performed this left lateralizing analyzing calcaneal osteotomy. He took the heel and he moved, cut it off, moved it over, screwed it back in so a guy would have more stability in his feet because he kept turning his ankles. When he did that, he nicked a nerve. And now the guy can't walk. And we're trying to decide if this was malpractice, if this was negligence. And so we had to sit there and we deliberated for days because the first thing that we thought, we just had so much compassion for the person that couldn't walk anymore that we're saying, of course it was. But then we had to come really close to the, to what, was it negligence or was it a mistake? Did he nick the nerve because he was negligent or did he nick the nerve because he just nicked the nerve it was a mistake? We had to discern that. In the end, we're going, it was a mistake. We got to discern our church hurt and just go, was it, was it negligence and was it, was it longstanding stuff that you saw happen? Or was this a mistake that maybe triggered a nerve and nicked a nerve in you that caused this pain? And now it's hard for you to walk. It's hard for you to even come back to the church. We got to recognize and diagnose that. But in the end, for many of us, it'll still come back to, no, no, this was a pain that was, that was directed at me and it hurt me. And I don't, know, I don't know what to do about that. Well, that's where we got to continue. We got to step. So first we got to acknowledge it. The next thing we got to do is we got to surrender our right to revenge. If we're in a process of forgiveness, man, every one of us want revenge, don't we? We want to get back at that person. We want to we just let, if we got messed up, then we're going to mess up somebody else. And you guys, it's really easy to, 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 to take revenge on the church. It's really easy to. Here's the easiest way. You're sitting in a, with a, some couples in a living room, and, and they're going, hey, you, uh, how are you doing over there at Ascent? And they say, oh, we don't go to Ascent anymore. Oh, 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 why, why not? I thought you loved that church. Oh, let me tell you. And then, they, they, and then, then here it comes. Here it comes. The revenge happens. And we'll just and 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 we want to do that because we got to justify. This is such an intimate, close thing. We got to justify why we'd ever leave it. And so we're going to let them all know about it. And so we're going to. That's the way you can really tear it down. I did this, you guys. And when I was up in Bellingham, and I had a job for two years up there, and man, I had a boss that was just a jerk. And, and I shouldn't say that, um, he, he, but he was. And I mean, there was this meeting we had with all the leaders of the church. And, and he says, you know why we have financial problems in this church? Because that guy's getting paid too much. And he pointed at me. I was making $28,000 a year with two kids and a third on the way. $28,000. You guys, I know it looks like I was born in covered wagon days, but it wasn't that long ago. $28,000 was still not very much. We were under the poverty line. And 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 so so he points at me. I'm sitting back there going, what do you want? Like 10 grand of my salary? Is that what's gonna save us from this church? He was a jerk to me. And so when we were leaving Bellingham after those two years, I will never forget the song that was playing on the radio as we were driving out. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. No joke, that's the song that came on. I can see all obstacles in my way. It's going to be a bright, 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 bright. That's probably the way I sang it, too. I remember that song. It's going to be a bright day. Finally, we're out of this oppression. And man, did I let people know about it. I came down here to start doing college ministry and all those people back up there said, what'd you move? Why'd you leave your job? That guy was, uh, I I said, worse than a jerk for sure. And I let them all know. Now, years later, I went back and I forgave him and I wrote a letter to him. But none of those people know that. I didn't go back to all them and say, you know what? What I said about him, forget it. I've forgiven him. And that man, they are. Here's what happens when we take Revenge. Our hearts continue to get more hardened, and the church hurt becomes us hurting the church. That happens. Our church hurts through our desire to hurt back. We become people that hurt the church. Jesus knows this, but this is part of our process of forgiveness. See, we got to acknowledge it, surrender our right to revenge, and then here's what He says. He says, and then we got to pray. We got to pray for those people. Look what it says. It's look what it says. It says. It says. Um, it says. You have heard the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know that when He's doing this part, you know that Jesus is going. I'm peeling some soil. He knows that our, the soil is getting harder and harder and your view of the church is getting harder and harder. And he, and he does not want that. And so he's going to start tilling the soil. And you guys, when you think of a rototiller, man, those are, that's not a nice little simple, careful, light tool. A rototiller is heavy. A rototiller has those tines that churn up rocks and roots and and hard soil. And you you take that, it's hard to turn the rototiller. And you turn it back and it's doing the same thing. When he's saying, pray for your enemies, Jesus is saying, I got to do some serious tilling of your soil. Of your soil. Because it's getting harder and harder about something that I need you to see differently and so he's saying, pray for him. Let's do some tilling. Let's do some tilling. And so then that leads us. It leads us to the next one be open to reconciliation. We got to be open to it. That maybe as that soil is tilled, we're open to, some, to, to reconciliation. Not necessarily with that specific church, but to church. Remember, reconciliation doesn't mean fellowship again. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It means, can I get to the point that my heart is soft enough to see that I'm going to continue and I'm going to find that church? Are you going to find a perfect church? Heck no. But to find a church. And my heart is is starting to get open again to that. Are we open to that possibility? And then finally, in our, in our, in our route of, of forgiveness, it's saying pray for divine strength and healing and freedom. We got to pray that God will meet us in this. Second Corinthians says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. God is saying, you guys, I know how hard this is. I know how hard forgiveness is. I know how hard it is to turn the rototiller. I'll turn it for you. Bring that to me. I'm going to turn it. And then we're going to go back around again. And then I'll come at the end. I'll turn it again. And we'll come back around again. We have got to loosen this soil. And I know how difficult it is. Will you come with me in this? It says in 2 Corinthians, it says at the end of it, the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love and peace will be with you. All of this. Our need to forgive and our process of forgiveness leads us to a space where we say, is it possible to re-engage, to re-engage with God's body, to re-engage with God's family? Is it possible to re-engage with the bride of Christ? Is it possible to step into that and say that very place or that very um, system, if you'd call it that, those very people that cause pain might be my place where I I grow the most and I heal. Could Could it lead to that? See, Satan wants this, you guys. He wants to win this battle. He wants you to conclude not only will you never find it again, but in the end, this is about Jesus. God will let you down, and you will not find peace. That's That's the conclusion he wants you to have, and lots of people have concluded that. I hate the church. But Jesus is saying we're an orchestra a fourth grade orchestra of messed up people that are trying to sing perfect music and share the news of a perfect god and a perfect love will us as messed up people get in get on the playing field get back into that arena get back into that place that God has set up for this kingdom and say i want to not only find healing but give healing to somebody else as well i listened to a pastor finish his talk around church hurt and he quoted of all things theodore roosevelt and in this quote I, as he quoted i thought oh my gosh that so fits with us in church hurt he says this it's not that this theodore roosevelt said this it's not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there's no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the very worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly." I see your pain. I want to walk with you in that pain. And those wounds that are really hard to heal, I see them. Will you also dare greatly and step back into the arena and recognize a broken, messed up group of people that are saying, how do we love well? How do we love as Jesus loved and extend hope and grace? That's our hope for ascent, but in the end, even ascent will disappoint you. It's really our hope in the path to the foot of the cross and that Jesus will meet us there. But it's going to take some work. That process that he wants us to go through to soften our hearts back to the bride of Christ. Father, I pray that you would, you would meet us in that. And, and um, I especially pray for the tender hearts in this room that have gone through some very, very real and serious church hurt. People that have been abused by power. People that have been abused by words. People that have been abused by action. People that have had trouble even coming close to reconciliation. But God, I know that it's a process of forgiveness that is so difficult yet rich. And I pray that you would help us in that process towards a softened soil that allows us to see your bride again. And we pray that once, once we step back into that arena, that we would be people that would receive hope, And give hope to somebody else that has been in pain. We pray for healing and hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen.